This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. Talk about the peace of God. We are talking about the wholeness of God, the completeness of God, the prosperity of God, the quietness of God, the rest of God, the order of God, the health of God, the safety of God. In fact, if you check the Hebrew, you know, the word for peace is shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. You know, that was when God says he has guaranteed us his peace. Or when he says he has made a covenant of peace with us. What God is saying is that he has guaranteed all us. He has guaranteed us allness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That means he will perfect that which concerns us. So today I'm talking to us about the peace of God. And I said peace means prosperity. According to scriptures, peace means quietness. The rest of God, order, completeness, wholeness, health, nothing missing, nothing broken, safety. So I'm talking to us about the peace of God. Now, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Paul talking to, writing to the church in Rome, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost now paul writes to the church in rome and says the kingdom of god what's the kingdom of god the rulership of god the dominion of god the influence of god the sovereignty of god is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost so paul says that the dominion of God, the, the sovereignty of God, the kingdom of God is revealed in God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy. And you see, these three things are the three things that Jesus paid for on the cross. These three things are three major things that Jesus paid for on the cross. Now, if you go back to Isaiah 53, verse, from verse 4 and 5, you realize that these three things that Paul says are the, are the major ingredients of the kingdom of God, Jesus actually paid for them on the cross. Now, Isaiah chapter 53, from verse 4 to 5, the Bible says Isaiah prophesying about Jesus, about what Jesus was going to do on the cross. He said, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yes, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. So here, Isaiah establishes the fact that Jesus bore our grief on the cross. He carried our sorrow. And so that way he paid for our joy. Verse 5, he says, he was wounded for our transgressions. It was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So in verse 4, Isaiah says that Jesus bore our grief on the cross. He carried our sorrow. So I was telling us that these three things that Paul says are the major ingredients of the kingdom of God. God's peace, God's joy, and God's righteousness. Isaiah establishes the fact that Jesus actually paid for it on the cross. So in verse 4, he says he bore our grief and carried our sorrows. Verse 5, he says, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. But he doesn't stop there. He says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, the punishment of our peace was laid upon him. And so these three things that Paul says are the major evidence of the kingdom of God. Jesus actually paid for them on the cross. God's peace, God's righteousness, God's joy because he carried our sorrow on the cross because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So Jesus paid 
he price for our peace. And so on the cross of Calvary, Jesus actually paid for my peace. He paid for your peace. And so today I'm talking to us about the peace of God. But I needed to show us out the fact that the kingdom of God is actually revealed in three things. God's righteousness, God's peace, and God's joy. And so if I share I'm a part of the kingdom of God, these three things must be revealed in my life. And it lets us know that Jesus actually paid for them on the cross. And so today our focus is peace. So the Bible says that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, he received the punishment of my peace. He received the punishment of your peace. And that's why we have access to the peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, amazingly, you find out something. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, every time he appeared to his disciples, the first thing he said to them was, peace be unto you because he paid for their peace on the cross so when he appeared to them the first thing he always said was peace be unto you peace be unto you in other words he was saying wholeness be unto you completeness be unto you because on the cross when he died he said it is finished he paid the price for everything and so when he resurrected from the dead he knew he had paid the price for everything for the owners of everyone that believed in him and so he could say peace be unto you even before he died on the cross the bible lets us know in john chapter 14 let's go to john chapter 14 verse 27 john chapter 14 verse 27 the book of John chapter 14 verse 27. The Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 27. Now this was before Jesus died on the cross. He said, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the word giveth, give I unto you. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now at this point, Jesus had not even died on the cross. But he was preparing to die. And he began to say to the disciples, peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the word giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So Jesus Jesus had not died on the cross and he was saying to them peace i live with you my peace i give unto you now if you go to john 16 verse 33 you also see jesus say something similar again john 16 verse 33 jesus said these things have i spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world so jesus began to cheer them up ahead because he knew he was going to pay for their peace on the cross so he began to say to them that these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace in me. He says, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus said all this before he died on the cross. On the cross, the Bible says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And so I was saying to us that when he resurrected from the dead, every time he appeared to the disciples, the first thing he said to them was, peace be unto you. Now, John chapter 20. Let's look at it. John chapter 20. John chapter 20 from verse 19. We're going to read from verse 19 to 21. Now, John chapter 20 from verse 19. Now, you see in John chapter 20 verse 19, the Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, you notice something. Imagine Jesus appears unto the disciples after he resurrected from death. The first thing he says to them, he says, Peace be unto you. And I told you the word peace means wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It means completeness. It means rest, quietness. So Jesus, like Jesus is saying, wholeness be unto you. He's prophesying peace unto them. So Jesus shows up and says, peace be unto you. Wholeness be unto you. Completeness be unto you. Quietness, rest be unto you. Now he goes for that. He says, the Bible says, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, 
even so said that you so you realize that jesus showed them his sight letting you know that you are just resurrected from the dead and jesus said peace be unto you now if you go further again the same john chapter 20 if you read from verse 24 the bible says but thomas one of the twelve called didymus was not with them when jesus came the other disciples therefore said unto him we have seen the lord but he said unto them except i shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side i will not believe and after eight days again his disciples were with him and thomas with them then came jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst of them and said peace be unto you now you notice after jesus resurrected from the dead he keeps saying peace be unto you peace be why was he saying that i mean before he died he wasn't always saying this but when he resurrected from the dead he knew that he had finished the works on the cross he knew he had paid the price our wholeness our completeness so he could confidently say peace be unto you completeness be unto you wholeness be unto you it's like he said hey, nothing will be missing again in your life nothing will be broken because i've paid the price on the cross you know i think george i just want us to begin to declare in the name of jesus that we bask in the peace of god we bask in the peace of god for our lord jesus christ hallelujah you know i want you to know that apart from the fact that jesus paid the price for our peace on the cross he has also made a covenant of peace with us he has made a league of peace with us in other words god's peace is not negotiable he has made a covenant of peace with us and so no matter what the situation is the peace of god in our life is guaranteed now isaiah chapter 54 isaiah chapter 54 isaiah chapter 54 isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 isaiah chapter 54 we're going to read from verse 10 we're going to read verse 10 to 13. now look at what isaiah began to prophesy look at what the bible says in isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 to 13. it says for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed but my kindness shall not depart from me neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed say of the lord that hath mercy on thee O thou afflicted tossed with tempest and not comforted behold i will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphire and i will make thy windows of a gate and thy gates of carbon and all thy borders of pleasant stones verse 13 it says and all thy children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be the peace of your children. Now, you notice from verse 10, it says, the mountains will depart. It says, hills will be removed. It says, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace. And you see, because it's a covenant, it's something that can move from generation to generation. So, it says, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. It now goes further in verse 13. It says, and all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Why is he saying this? Because it's a covenant. Now, once it's a covenant, it becomes a generational thing. Everybody that steps into that covenant also experiences that same thing. So, it says, he has made with us a covenant of peace it says mountains will depart hills will be removed for his calmness will not depart from us neither shall his covenant of peace be removed Tell the lord that hath mercy on us in that gospel like verse 13 it says all your children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be their peace all your children shall be taught of the lord and great shall be the peace of your children in other words because it's a covenant of peace it not only affects us it will affect our children and our children children you know i think i just want us to declare in the name of jesus that great is our peace and great is the peace of our children both hallelujah isaiah chapter 32 isaiah chapter 32 you know i want you to know that 
It is actually God's righteousness that produces this peace of God in us. And you see, that's the reason why it's so important for you as a believer not to be sin conscious. You see, when you are sin conscious, you will not have peace with God and you will not have peace with yourself. And so you will not be able to enjoy this peace of God. This peace of God that passes all understanding is the work of God's righteousness. That's why Jesus paid that price on the cross. And these three things are linked. God's peace, God's joy, God's righteousness. You cannot talk about the joy of the Lord when you do not experience the peace of God. And you can't talk about the peace of God when God's righteousness, you have not even understood it. You are not conscious of God's righteousness. And so you realize, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So the reason why we have peace with God is because we have been justified by faith. It's because we have been declared righteous by faith. That's why we have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, definitely you will be able to experience that peace in your life. Now, Isaiah chapter 32, Isaiah chapter 32, we're going to read verse 17 and 18. I was saying to us that it is God's righteousness that produces this peace. And so, if you are not conscious of God's righteousness, you will not experience this peace of God. Now, look at this. Isaiah 32, verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, Isaiah prophesied, it says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. Let's say you know it's a prophecy. You see, it sounds futuristic. If you are using the old King James Version, Isaiah says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. In other words, it's futuristic. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. It's something that is going to happen. He knew, Isaiah knew by prophecy, he knew by revelation that Jesus was going to pay the price on the cross and that his righteousness, God's righteousness will be imputed unto us by faith. And so he says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forevermore. And so if you're a believer in Christ and you do not know you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you are not conscious of the, of God's righteousness, there's no way you'll be able to experience this peace of God, this quietness and assurance. So it says the work of righteousness, the work that God's righteousness does in us is to produce peace. The effect of God's righteousness is quietness and assurance forevermore. Now in verse 18, he says, and my people shall dwell in peaceable habitations and in sure dwelling, and in quiet resting places. He says that my people shall dwell in peaceable habitations. So it's letting you know again that this peace of God will also affect our dwelling places. It will affect our habitations. It will affect our homes. He says my people shall dwell in peaceable habitations. He says in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Why? Because the work of righteousness is peace. And the step of righteousness is quietness and assurance forevermore. You know, I just want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus that God's righteousness is at work in us, that we are conscious of God's righteousness because God's righteousness produces peace in us. It produces quietness and assurance. Therefore, we dwell in peaceable habitations, in sure dwellings and quiet resting places. Isaiah 54. You know, I was showing us in Isaiah 32 how the Bible says the work of righteousness is peace. I needed to show us because you see, many times we do not see how things are connected together. And so a believer sees that he's not experiencing peace. It's not experience. You can't experience peace if you are not conscious of God's righteousness. Because, like I said, Romans 5 1, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if I have peace with God and I have peace with myself, definitely I will experience peace. But you see, if you do, if you do not have peace with God, there's no way I will experience peace. And one of the things that blocks believers is the fact that they are conscious 
conscious of sin. They are not conscious of God's righteousness. They are not conscious of what God has done for them. And that what he paid for on the cross was righteousness, peace, joy. We saw it in Isaiah 53, 5. How he bore our grief. How he carried our sorrow. How he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his strife we are healed. And when he appeared to the disciples after resurrection, he said, peace be unto you. Peace, allness be unto you. Completeness be unto you. So he paid the price. And that thing that causes us to express that peace is called God's righteousness. Now, look at Isaiah 54. Now, we initially went to Isaiah 54 from verse 10 where we talked about the covenant of peace. And in verse 13 of Isaiah 54, it says, All your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Now, it doesn't stop there. Verse 14. We're going to read from verse 14 to 17. It says, A righteous shall thou be established, and oppression shall be far from you. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror for it shall not come near you. Now, remember it says in Isaiah 32 that the work of righteousness is peace. And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. So there are things that God's righteousness does in us. It produces peace. Its effect is that it causes us to experience quietness and assurance. So I'm quiet and assured of the future. I'm not in doubt of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. Why? Because God's righteousness is effective in me. Now, in our says in verse 14 of Isaiah before, it says, In righteousness shall thou be established. He says, thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Verse 15, it says, Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for your sake. And you see, the reason why you will be able to express all this is because he says, you will be established in God's righteousness. And God's righteousness produces peace. God's righteousness produces quietness and assurance. So he says, therefore, oppression will be far from you. He says, you will not fear, for terror will not come near you. He says, they will surely gather together. But not by you, but not by him. Whosoever will gather against you, they will fall for your sake. And you see, I give you an example. At a time when David was king of Israel, Absalom, his son, rose up against him. And Absalom wanted to dethrone his father while his father was still on the throne. And the Bible lets us know that Ahithophel, one of the, the chief counselors of David the king, he joined the camp of Absalom. Immediately, David realized. That Absalom had joined, uh, that Ahithophel had joined the, the camp of Absalom. Knowing the kind of wisdom that Ahithophel had, the Bible says David stood up and said to God, Oh God, turn to not the counsel of Ahithophel. In other words, turn it to foolishness. So that's what he's saying here. The fact that he says they will gather together. That's the way they gather together against David. Imagine it was even his own son, Absalom, that was gathering people against him. And at a point, the camp was getting bigger and bigger. But when David saw that Ahithophel joined, the Bible says David said, Turn to foolishness the counsel of Aitofel. And definitely, Aitofel's counsel was turned to foolishness. And that's what he's trying to say here. How the fact that people could gather against you, they could speak against you. It's normal. Human beings will gather and speak. But the peace of God will envelop you. Nothing will be missing, nothing will be broken. No matter what they do, he says they will fall for yourself. Now he goes for that. He says, Behold, I have created the smith that fed the coals and the fire, and I bring them forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. He says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. He says, and every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Now, what I wanted to show here is the fact that since he says that it is God's righteousness that produces peace, it is God's righteousness that produces quietness and assurance. And we know from verse 10 of this same Isaiah before, how he was talking about the covenant of peace. Verse 13, he says that your, our children shall be taught to the Lord and grace shall, shall be their peace. He now goes further to say, in righteousness you will be established. Now, if we are established in righteousness, definitely righteousness produces peace. It produces quietness and assurance. He now says, if you are established in righteousness, oppression will be far from us. In other words, there will be peace within our borders. There will be 
prosperity within our world, peace within our borders. It says oppression will be far from us. And it says we will not fear. And from terror, because terror will not come near us. It says that people will gather together. But they will gather together, but it will not be by him. And whosoever will gather it together against us, they will fall for our sake. In other words, their gathering, their agreement will come to nothing. Their gathering will come to nothing. Whatever it is that they had in their minds against us, it will not work. It will not produce intended results. Because what he says, I've created this meat that blows the coals of the fire, that brings forth instruments for his work. He says, I created the waste to destroy. But he says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment will condemn. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and our righteousness is of him, said the Lord. You know, I just judge, I just want us to declare in the name of Jesus that we are established in God's righteousness. Therefore, oppression is far from us. And we will not fear from terror because terror will not come near us. Wherever they might be gathering together against us, their gathering comes to nothing. It does not produce intended laws. In the name of Jesus, can we just declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon from the Jesus can prosper. That every tongue that we're going to read from verse 1 to 7, Isaiah chapter 43, from verse 1 to 7. You know, I was saying, I said at the beginning of this meeting that this message is prophetic. You know, God told me that someone or some people need to hear this. The fact that God's peace is yours. God's peace is guaranteed regardless of the situation. And you see, when God told me this, he took me to this scripture, Isaiah 43, from verse 1 to 7. No matter what it is, God has assured us because we are establishing His righteousness, oppression is far from us. And we shall not fear and from terror because terror will not come near us. He says, They behold, they will surely gather together, but not by Him. Whosoever shall gather together against us, they fall for our sake. He says, No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment will condemn. He says, This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And my right, their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. Now, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, we're going to read from verse 1 to 7. He says, From verse 1, he says, But now, thus said the Lord that created the whole Jacob. And he that formed the old Israel, he says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Verse 2, he says, When thou passest through the water, I will be with you, and through the river, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He says, From the Lord thy God, the only one of Israel, thy Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, from with you. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yet I have made him. Now look at what he says from verse 1. This is a prophecy. He says, But now thus said the Lord that created the old Jacob, and he that formed the old Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Now look at what he says in verse 2. He says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. He's assuring you of his presence, and that's what guarantees God's peace. He says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. In other words, the rivers will not overwhelm you. He says, when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be born, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. And we see example of this, how the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, into the flaming fire. And the Bible says that 
The fire did not hurt them. None of the air of their skin was not even singed by the fire. I mean, their air was not affected by the fire. And the Bible says at the point, Nebuchadnezzar saw four men walking loose. Because when they threw them into the fire, they threw them bound. But they saw four men walking loose in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar said, who is that fourth person? I see four men walking in that fire. And the Bible says, he said, surely that that must be the son of God. Because he saw that there were four men walking in the fire. And they threw three men. And the three men were bound with chains. But when they saw them, they saw them walking in the fire loose. That's what he's saying here. He says, when you walk through the fire, it will not burn you, neither will the flame kindle upon you. In other words, that thing that is supposed to hurt you, it will not even touch you, it will not even come near you. They will even perceive the smell of the fire. That's what he's saying. He says, when you pass through the water, I will be with you. I will be with you. He says, and through the river, they shall not overflow you. That situation will not overwhelm you. He says, when you walk through the fire, it will not burn you, neither will the flame kindle upon you. You know, at this point, I just want us to declare the name of Jesus that when we will pass through the waters, water here is situation of life, circumstances, trials. Can we just declare in the name of Jesus that when we pass through the waters that we experience peace of God that passes all understanding because God has assured us of his presence and when we walk through the rivers, they will not overflow us, they will not overwhelm us. When we walk through the fire, it will not burn us, neither will the flame kindle upon us. In the name of Jesus, can we just declare in the name of Jesus that when we pass through the waters, they will be with us. He says, when I when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. As we pass through the waters, God is with us. When we pass through the river, they will not overflow. Hallelujah. 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 Mark chapter 4. Chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 35 to 41. Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. You know, I want you to know that even though God has guaranteed us his peace, even though God has made a covenant of peace with us, it's our duty to actually speak peace unto our situations, our situations, our circumstances onto our family and all that pertains to us. It's our duty to speak peace onto situations. God has given us that enablement. So even though God has assured us of peace, when you see troubling situations, when you perceive trouble around you, God has given you the ability to speak peace onto those situations. And you see, Jesus exemplified this. And that's what I want to show us in Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. What? Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4 from verse 35, it says, And the same day, when the evil was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beast into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the inner part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so careful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they fared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Now our sins was that even though God has guaranteed us his peace, it's our duty to use our mouth to declare peace upon all situations around us. So every time you perceive trouble, you see there are times when you just feel disturbed in your heart. You don't even know why. It's not like you have seen anything physically, but you feel you feel that disturbance in your heart. That's the time to begin to speak peace onto everything around you. That's the time to declare peace. Now look at what happens. Jesus and the disciples, they are in a ship. And the Bible says in verse 37 that there arose a great storm of wind. And the wave beat into the ship so that it was now full. In other words, 
The Bible says that they arose a great storm of wind and the wind beat into the ship so that it was full. And guess what? The disciples were afraid. And the Bible says Jesus was in the inner part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care that we perish? Look at what Jesus did. And you see, this is the principle of the Christian life. The first thing the Bible says, and he arose. The first thing he did was, the Bible says, he rebuked the wind. So, the first thing to do when you see a troubling situation is to rebuke it. Because you see, it is not of God. And that's why it says, they shall surely gather together, but not by him. Whosoever shall gather together against you shall confess. In other words, no matter what the situation is, no matter what the gathering is, it's not of God. So that troubling situation is not of God. The first thing you need to do is rebuke it. So the first thing Jesus did was to rebuke the wind. After he rebuked the wind, he now declared peace. And he said, be still. So, peace, be still, is, 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 is like tautology. So, what Jesus did was, he said, peace. And he said, be still. He spoke to the wind. But the first thing he did was, he rebuked the wind. And then he said, peace, be still. And so, that's what God expressed from us. Every time you see yourself in a troubling situation, every time there's something around you that you don't like, that seems to trouble you, the first thing to do is to rebuke it and declare the peace of God. And so, Jesus, the Bible says, he rebuked the wind. And he said, peace. Be still. Now, and if you go for that to verse 41, the Bible says the disciples scared exceedingly and they said one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea did obey him. In other words, the wind and the sea, everything obeyed him. They responded to him because of the power of God in his mouth. And so, in that same manner, we are joined with Christ. We have the same ability that Christ has to speak peace unto situations, to declare peace, to declare stillness, to declare tranquility and peace unto all situations. You know, I think just, I just want us to begin to declare peace of God, declare the peace of God upon all that release and pertains to us. I want us to rebuke troubles, rebuke frustrations, rebuke confusions, rebuke doubts, and declare peace upon everything that pertains to us in the name of Jesus. Can we just begin to declare in the name of Jesus? Can we begin to rebuke all troubling situations, rebuke sickness, rebuke disease, rebuke poverty, rebuke troubles, rebuke accidents in the name of Jesus, rebuke evil, rebuke all troubling situations, rebuke all oppressions, rebuke all terrors, and we declare the peace of God, we speak peace unto all that pertains to us, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke troubles, we rebuke storms,